Welcome to the relaunch of CPAC's Today in Politics podcast. It's Monday, February 6th. I'm Julie Van Dusen. For those of you who don't know me, I've spent 30 years covering federal and provincial politics here in Ottawa. And I'm very happy to bring you the latest on Parliament Hill every morning. Here are the big political stories we're talking about today. The main political event of the week, Canada's premiers are heading to the Capitol Tuesday to hammer out health care funding. What I think Canadians really care about is having access to a great, publicly funded, universally accessible health care system from coast to coast to coast. Uh, so that really, that outcome, those results, I think is what we all need to be focused on because I think that's what matters to Canadians. Plus, the Liberals have withdrawn controversial amendments to their firearms bill. My Conservative team and I have forced Justin Trudeau into a temporary but humiliating climb down today. It is uh, absolutely critical uh, that this bill get adopted. Um, the, uh, it's important that we take handguns off our streets and assault-style weapons. Let's get to it. Here to discuss the top political stories, Joël Denis Bellavance, Bureau Chief for La Presse. Good morning, Joël Denis. Good morning, Julie. It's, it's great to see you, and uh, we've got a lot to talk about. Uh, one of the things, of course, is that the premiers will be arriving in Ottawa later today for their meeting tomorrow with the prime minister on health care funding. Now, we know what they want. They want another $28 billion, but we don't really know what the prime minister is willing to give them. So how do you see this going? Well, that was part of the strategy on the part of the federal government to keep its you know, cards very close to its uh, to his chest, if I may say, uh, because uh, in the past, when they divulged the numbers to the provinces, the provinces would cr- uh, gang up on Ottawa and criticize what Ottawa was doing. So uh, the prime minister will reveal what Ottawa is proposing only when they meet when he meets the premiers tomorrow. And that's a quite uh, a telling strategy. They know that they want to make sure that uh, nothing came out. No, there was no... Um, uh, nothing came out in the public right now on, on, on the uh, amount the federal government is proposing to the provinces. I asked around <laughs> to uh, my sources in Ottawa and even the provinces, and none of them would would tell me because, A, in the provinces, they don't know. And in Ottawa, they want to keep it close uh, to themselves as possible so that uh, the prime minister can direct traffic, if I may say, in those negotiations and ensure that he has the upper hand while he talks to the premiers. Yeah, so maybe he thinks that uh, if he tells them all in the room at the meeting, they're not all going to uh, kind of get really upset about it because they're they're in the high stakes negotiations. And yeah, uh, yeah, so I suppose that makes sense. But we did we do know that Christia Freeland met with her provincial counterparts on Friday. And certainly the word out of her mouth was restraint. Right. But that uh, we have a lot of things coming at us including what's going on in the United States. We need money for that, for this, you know, competitive uh, uh, situation we're, we're in with the Anti-Inflation Act in the U.S. So she basically kind of warned them, you know, the, we don't have a lot in the cupboard. Now, do you think that's going to make any difference in what they ask for? Well, the demand is uh, like the provinces want to have at least $28 billion per year in increase, plus an additional 5% afterwards a yearly increase. But uh, the finance minister wanted to lay down the, the um, fiscal picture so that the provinces minimize their expectations. And, and we've known for a while that Ottawa will not meet what the provinces are demanding. It's too high. Uh, and my expectations is that they'll probably meet halfway, 
So I expect Ottawa to put at least 15 billion increase on the table uh, for the uh, healthcare transfers and maybe some more money that he can negotiate with uh, the provinces because there will be two envelopes. One, global healthcare transfers for everybody and then another envelope that will uh, provide some money to all provinces uh, available, but uh, they will get the money uh, after concluding a bilateral deal with Ottawa and that money will be used to fulfill their priorities in each of their uh, respective uh, regions. So um, it, it's, a, it's a wise strategy on the part of Ottawa, I would say, because they want to avoid anything that we've seen in the past. Remember the 2004 meeting between Paul Martin and the premiers? That was a circus. And why? <laughs> I remember it, yeah. <laughs> why? Because Paul Martin wanted to have live negotiations on TV <laughs> for a while. And it ended up at 24 Sussex. Uh, and they were, uh, you know, some of them were in, in, in the basement uh, trying to <laughs> conclude what they would be uh, demanding Ottawa. And they ordered pizza and finally they got a deal for a 10 year deal. But it did not fix healthcare for a generation. And, and that's uh, and, and one other element that is of note, I think, is the fact that Ottawa wants to conclude a 10 year deal. That's official. It's been confirmed. So a long term deal. So we don't start over again those negotiations in two, three, five years. No, exactly. And of course, we are hearing that there could be these side deals on depending on what a province finds important, right? It could be long term care or, yeah. or more primary staff, care, yeah. primary, primary care, care, that kind of thing. We, we also heard last week that um, there could be pressure on the provinces to um, to agree to conditions on on uh, long term care. Uh, there were so many stories in the pandemic, uh, including in Quebec with yeah. uh, that place, the Heron, uh, the you know Heron place in Montreal, where so many Canadians died of COVID. Do you think that could be also an issue? Like uh, you know, you don't get the money if you don't put the standards on long term care, or do you think that's a possibility? Uh, that's a possibility, but it's not going to be the major obstacle to a deal. Um, and what is interesting, and I think that's of note, is the fact that the premier who managed to get things going, amazingly, is the premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, because he was the first one to mention that he was ready to accept some conditions, namely sharing of data with other provinces. And that, uh, according to federal officials, broke the log, uh, log jam, uh, because as we know, there was a health care minister's meeting in Vancouver last December. And it ended up in an impasse because uh, uh, Ottawa did not want to discuss uh, numbers, but only results. And the premier of Ontario, who is, you know, seen by Ottawa, one of the most pragmatic, premier, you know, on, on the uh, provincial scene, mm -hmm. they like to deal with him. And he's the one who, who broke that log jam. And mm -hmm. interestingly, uh, in Ottawa circles, they expect to conclude a side deals once the manage the global envelope for all the provinces. They expect to sign a deal rapidly with British Columbia and then uh, Ontario and the Atlantic provinces. So that will put pressure on other provinces to follow suit. But Quebec also said that it could live with, you know, sharing data and so on. But uh, my understanding of Alberta is they're not too keen on strings attached. Yeah. So can you yeah. see kind of, uh, could that be an obstacle? It could be for Alberta. And that's a good point you're making because Alberta will going will be going to provincial elections. And the premier uh, there, Danielle Smith, is keen to show that she is defending Alberta's sovereignty in every aspect of it. So that could cause, I think that's the province that could see, you could see some some frictions with Ottawa. Quebec, I think, will probably see what's going on. 
survey the land, <laughs> if I may say, mm-hmm. and, and see who's concluding a deal. And if Ontario goes along well, the pressure will be immense on other provinces to follow suit, especially Quebec, but Alberta is a different case. Hmm. Well, the other quick thing is just that, um, you know, there's the prime minister has a fine line to walk, right, in terms of what Doug Ford wants to do, outsourcing certain uh, surgeries to private clinics that are publicly funded. He's had some backlash in his own caucus. Uh, We'll see what the other um, provinces want to do on that front. But overall, just to to wrap up this topic, uh, Joël Denis, what do you think the reaction would be amongst Canadians if they all end up fighting and nothing happens? Well, that would be a disaster for all of them, all the premiers and the prime minister. Disaster electorally. So the pressure is immense from the population to get a deal. Uh, they don't want to know who is paying. Uh, you know, who, is it Ottawa? Is it the provinces? All they want is results. So the pressure is uh, immense on political leaders. And that's why you hear a lot about results in, 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 from Ottawa. They want to see results and they'll put some money into it. And, but the, the pressure will be immense to get a deal. Wow. So it's going to be fascinating for us to watch uh, for sure. Now, another topic, of course, that's uh, certainly been big in the news is the fact that the government withdrew amendments on its firearms legislation. Just (laughs) poof, suddenly Friday. First, they were in in November. No one saw that coming. Then they're gone on Friday. What's going on here? It's poof followed by poof. I would say. <laughs> a double poof. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, talk about shooting yourself in the foot because, you know, the amendments that were a part of C21 were added at the last minute by uh, a Liberal MP at the committee and nobody saw them coming. So the, polit- the uh, Liberal Party lost, uh, the government lost all of its allies in the House of Commons and many allies outside of the House of Commons as well on that file. I remember that the Assembly of First Nations decry and denounce, criticize that bill, that the amendments. And so the Liberal uh, government was forced to back down. And I guess those amendments, in, that's a uh, speculation on my part, but I think I'm not, um, I think that's a high possibility. My sense is that the Liberal Party, the Liberal government thought that it could uh, create a new wedge between them and the Conservative Party in the House of Commons following the elections of Pierre Polyev. So they're looking at issues that would put Pierre Polyev on the defensive, namely in urban areas where the Liberal Party holds uh, most of their seats. So that's my sense that they thought that it could use, they could use that as a um, wedge issue to score some political points. It backfired uh, in a very grandiose way. You saw that on Friday when they pulled those amendments. And, and so it's back to square one for them. But that's a very humiliating um, back down on the part of the Liberal government. Yeah, and no one seems to want to take responsibility, right? They all say, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but who thought up this plan? Like, <laughs> no kidding, who said, let's just throw 300 pages of uh, amendments in there? I mean, the bottom line is, uh, uh, it, it looks like a major blunder, and certainly Pierre Poilievre is uh, accentuating it, calling it a humiliating mm. climb down. Is he the big winner here? Well, yes and no. Yes, because he got what he wanted. Those amendments are gone. But no, because I think the NDP and the Bloc Québécois put the real pressure to get it done because without any support from the NDP or the Bloc Québécois, the Liberals were doomed to fail you on that file. So they were looking for a new allies. I think they will probably propose something else at the end that will be less controversial. But clearly, they're they're going back to do their homework on that file. 
Wow. And so on the other side, though, of course, this all was supposed to be just legislation uh, to put a freeze on on handgun sales. And, and meanwhile, you have so many advocates who, who want restrictions on yeah. firearms, like Police Souvien, uh, who's been you know fighting since uh, the shooting at Ecole Polytechnique in 1989 to get more restrictions. Where does that leave them? That's a good point. And that, you know, it just shows one thing, the eternal debate between urban and rural Canada. Uh, uh, it's hard to find a compromise. And then you see that in that file. Again, uh, 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 a real compromise that will satisfy uh, at the same time rural Canada and, uh, and urban Canada. Uh, and then the government is trying to do it. It's always walking on a fine line. It's not a, 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 a line of, of uh, iron. And it's a difficult file. So we'll see where it goes. But clearly, um, the government has been in touch with those groups, Police Souvient, to try to get their input. They were satisfied with the first uh, um, bill that they introduced. And I, that's why I don't understand why the government chose on its own to make those amendments, uh, slip them while the study of the bill was almost finished. And that exploded in their face royally, if I may say. <laughs> and the result is they have to start again and, and, well, and, and back down on those amendments. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Now they've got so much catch up to do and they've got so many uh, apologies to make to so many people. <laughs> It'll be a long time before we see, like, where is this going to go? Uh, more consultations and, and everything else. So they've uh, they've really created a, a, a bit of a mess for themselves. So, Joël Denis, thank you so much for your observations. Great to talk to you and uh, have a great day. You too, Julie. Great to see you again. That's Joël Denis Bellavance, Bureau Chief for La Presse. Now, let's take a look at what political columnists and commentators are saying today. In the Toronto Star, longtime Liberal Peter Donolo explains why he was one of dozens who signed an open letter asking Ontario Green Party leader Mike Schreiner to run for the Ontario Liberal leadership. Donolo asks... Can the leader of one party lead another one and create a new, larger constituency for change? Can we find more ways for progressives to work across party lines rather than badmouth each other? Can we bring in the new blood and new thinking that all parties need to grow and change without feeling threatened and defensive? How can we tap the energy of activists, especially young activists, who eschew the labels of party politics and the strictures of party machines? A serious political party needs to look in the mirror and ask itself these questions. And Leger's Andrew Enns and Heather Owen in a special to the National Post reveal polling results indicating 67% of Canadians feel that Canada is, quote, broken. They highlight the sentiment seems to stem from a disconnect between what preoccupies Canadians and what politicians seem focused on. They write, with the next sitting of Parliament upon us, perhaps it is time for our country's leaders to pause their game of taking shots at each other and find ways to show Canadians they are listening to and acting upon their frustrations. This approach may temper some of the anger and frustration Canadians are feeling. However, it may not be as interesting for one's social media feeds. Now, here's what's coming up on today's political agenda. Deputy Prime Minister Christia Freeland will visit a Canadian manufacturing and technology company in Windsor with experience in the automotive sector and meet with workers. That will be followed by a media availability later in the afternoon. The Minister of Immigration, Refugees and Citizenship, Sean Fraser, is announcing measures to support Hong Kong residents in Canada. 
That's happening at nine o'clock in Scarborough. Governor General Mary Simon is in Finland this week on a state visit to mark 75 years of formal bilateral relations between our two countries. International Development Minister Harjit Sajjan is in Vancouver for Impact 5. He's part of a panel discussion on marine nature-based solutions for climate, biodiversity, and sustainable development. He'll be joined by UN conservation officials, as well as the U.S. State Department, Deputy Assistant Secretary for Oceans, Fisheries, and Polar Affairs. On Parliament Hill, Conservatives Garnet Genuis, Stephanie Cusey, and Pierre Paul Hiss will hold a news conference at 10.30 in the foyer. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh and several healthcare unions will also hold a news conference on Parliament Hill at 11.30, calling for investments in the universal public health care system and for the Prime Minister to deliver on his election promise to hire more health care workers. And the Prime Minister will be attending question period. That's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, February 6th. Tune into Primetime Politics tonight on CPAC for coverage of all the day's events. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.